Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are we today? A little bit anxious, a little bit... I'm just looking at my reflection and I look literally 80 years old. I'm wearing glasses, but I had no choice in what they look like. I just had to get something out of desperation because I've had a headache all week because all I do is obviously focus on my screens and laptops and things like that. So this is taking pressure off my little eyeballs, but I look honestly... I look like my grandma, which is, she's fabulous, but like at 34 or 33, you don't really want to look like a grandma. Yeah, she's got blue light glasses on. <laughs> uh, they're not prescription. And look, absolutely nothing against glasses, but I just said to Jade, like, there's a lot of options for glasses out and about. And I just, you I just could- think we could <laughs> hip this up. up a little bit. <laughs> now that we're both in our 30s, Jade, we have to um, make sure we keep things hip on this program. I don't even think hip is a hip word anymore. It's about, <laughs> oh as, cool as, it's about as cool as groovy or funky. Well, thank God this is a podcast and no one can see except for you and I'm really sorry for your eye. <laughs> That's okay. How are you? I am good. I had the most incredible birthday weekend. I felt Tell incredibly us. lucky to be able to celebrate it properly. And because we'd just come out of lockdown, all my friends were just ready to rumble. There was so many aspects of it. I am a typical Virgo control freak. So knowing there were so many surprises in front of me was really quite difficult to surrender to but I got there and (laughs) you know if I must and yeah my friends and my family went absolutely above and beyond to make me feel extremely loved and special and we had a great time but what they say is true. Recovering when you're in your 30s is hard. I am still, I mean, we're recording this intro about five days later. I feel like I'm still hungover. I feel and like we I'm recorded still tired. The, day, the next day. We recorded this episode the day after my 30th and I was just Hideous. nowhere to be seen. We laughed with Jamie, who we spoke to, because we were talking about, you know, getting kids to eat the things you serve them up. Before we jumped on air, I had finished a can of Coke and a piece of leftover pizza. But listening back to the recording, I was quite proud of myself. I don't think if we told you, you'd know. No, I don't think you would know. You did very, very well. Thank you very much. But no, I had an incredible weekend. My low would probably be just, you know, the general aftermath. I got my period on the same day that my hangover came and it's just Ooh. made me a cranky, irritable Nasty. bitch. Or oh, that's what I'm going to blame it on anyway. Another high of the week is I got my second vac, so I'm now double vaxxed. I'm ready to just gallivant around the bloody world. Without your family, but just on your own. Yeah, I'm going to make sure none of them get vaccinated. (laughs) So I just have to go by myself. (laughs) Sorry, guys, you can't come to Italy with me. What a shame. What a shame. Auntie Jade will have to go with you. Now tell me, how's your week been? Well, I'm glad that you had such a beautiful birthday. I was lucky enough to be able to celebrate. Sadly, I couldn't go to my friend's wedding that was supposed to be in Melbourne, was supposed to be happening last weekend, but they've postponed until next year. This is the second time, the poor things. But I I was there to celebrate you. My birthday is in a few weeks and I'm just putting it out there. I hate my birthday with a passion. I don't like surprises. I don't like gifts. I don't like anything to do with it. So we're just going to... doesn't like anything fun, joyous. um. (laughs) I just like to be a miserable person. I'm like, no. She refers refers to feel anxious, have ugly glasses. (laughs) (laughs) And get me a pair of slippers and I'm done. So how old do you turn? Do you turn 34 or 35? With or without the glasses. (laughs) Without. No, I'm turning 34. But look, I do like it. I think I 
I get really funny about it. Some people do and I'm one of those people. I guess if I went out for dinner and I wasn't expecting it, yeah, it'd be great, but I I just don't like thinking about it. I don't like people. I don't want people to have to say happy birthday and I don't want people to feel like they have to do things. That's the thing that I don't like about my birthday, but I love everyone else's birthday. So, yeah, I'm going to leave you all with that. (laughs) We are going camping hopefully next week because we're back on holidays. So that will be really nice with the kiddies. And the low of the week, besides my hideous glasses, would be the headache that I got from squinting and having dry eyes. There we go. That's it. I'm sorry. Oh, and we found a snake just outside before. So just next time you come to the potty, bring your gumboots. Stomp? Do I have to stomp? Sure. Do whatever you want. Clap, stomp. Now, we I don't even need to give people a mum hack this week. Oh, I've I got don't them think. though. But can I say, yeah. this entire episode is a oh, mum hack. Jade absolutely. and I have actually been putting into practice the tips that we got from Jamie. Yes. And it hasn't even been a week yet for us since we recorded and we have both seen incredible differences in our approach to mealtime. So I actually laughed when we were listening to some parts that she was suggesting and was mind blown. Like I was telling my husband and at the dinner table, I'm not going to give it all away, but you'll hear through the episode. I can't even tell you how much it actually works. It's genius and so simple. And I am getting Nick to listen to this episode because I keep trying to put things into place and then I'll turn my back for one second and he will have just like, you know, handed something over or whatever and it's 15 minutes before dinner time and I'm like, oh, mate, I've I've got an episode for you. So yeah. All right, so the mum hack that came in this week was kids' Panadol syringes suck up splinters perfectly. She said, such a good hack since I hoard all the syringes anyway. I am really intrigued to, one, know what kind of splinter gets sucked up and is she actually telling the truth. Well, I don't think she's going to send in and make you ID the timber that's inside your child's um, foot. I'm guessing it would have to be quite a superficial one, but I'm I'm raring to give it a go because I think going towards your child with a plastic syringe is probably a little less scary than the, the metal tweezers. Yeah. So everyone out there, give it a go. Get your kids to run around barefoot on um, jagged bits of wood and let us Get those syringes out and let's see. Now, we did have a Rudolph Fabulous come in. Is it my glasses? And it said, <laughs> no, they're just rude. Hi, strange message, but I have dreamt about you and Jade twice now. What? Probably because I wind down with your podcast, but both times I'm an adult with two babies. In my dreams, I've had to call my mum because you guys were being mean to me. You guys don't come across as mean girls though. First time we went on a night out and you two pretended to be nice to me, but were like mocking me and laughing. This time around, we were at the hockey. game and we went home to play dress ups and again you guys were mean to me so I'm not sure what this achieves but my mum has saved me from the mean girls twice please be nice to me in my dreams it's not my fault I'm shitty at dress ups and I love the potty PS is she okay I feel like we've done some serious damage. I fully apologised back because you know that feeling when you wake up and your partner's cheated on you in your dream oh, and you all them. you want is for them to say sorry and they just never do. So I just thought, <laughs> look, I'm going to be the bigger person in this situation and just Did you blame say me? sorry. You say it's all Yeah, and I blamed you, of course, of yeah. Course. But, yeah, anyone else having mean girl dreams out there about us, I promise we're really nice people. <laughs> <laughs> we are a fun time and when we eventually get to have all a catch-up around the globe will prove it. But let's talk about today's episode, shall we? Yes, we chatted to Jamie. She is a paediatric speech pathologist and And we talked all, yeah. Sorry, her speech is just incredible. I know. Voice is just like, oh, Tinkerbell. (laughs) Tinkerbell. I don't know. (laughs) 
But anyway, we chatted all about, well, we called it fussy eaters, but she likes to say cautious eaters Mm. and little tips and tricks we can use to stop our kids from eating, you know, an entirely beige diet or an entirely snack diet. And as we said, proof is in the pudding already so far for us a week later. And they're really simple, easy, approachable tips. I really, really loved this chat so much that it made me forget about the fact that I was severely hungover. Uh, And I hope that you guys do too. We hope you enjoy. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Before we get started, are you able to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do and why you're passionate about what we're chatting about today? Yes. So first of all, thanks so much for having me. And I hope that whatever I say today is really helpful in you and your little one's journey to loving food and helping them learn about food and feeling good about food in their bodies. So I am a paediatric speech pathologist and I work in the Newcastle area with families and little ones, so infants and toddlers and children. But I also run the Instagram page Nourish.Babes, which is a bit of a passion project. And I've just popped it up there to, I guess, help families, specifically mums, because we tend to talk to mums more about this stuff because we are more hands-on, but that's not to undermine the dads at all. They're, they play a critical role. But to help them nourish their communication, they're feeding their mealtime journey. Amazing. Now, we have had listeners wanting us to chat about fussy eating, especially around toddlers and young children. And I mean, maybe Jade can attest to the fact that that continues on into as they get to more around six, seven, eight. Um, You know, we've talked about introducing solids before in other podcasts, but never about fussy eating. And I think I was one of those smug mums where, you know, our family really loves food and loves eating a wide variety of foods. And, you know, especially Poppy when she was 12 months old, would eat any curry and have any spice and would just eat anything. And I remember being like, oh gosh, isn't this great? Like my child eats anything. And now she is three and a half. And if I let her, she would have an entirely beige diet or purple, pink and sprinkle diet. And so I'm all of a sudden like, ah, crap, like it can happen to anyone. So I'm really interested to hear some of your tips today. What are your kids like around? Well, I desperately need to listen to anything you have to say because my whole family is absolutely sugar obsessed and my toddler now just because we've been like handing her things just to go oh all right we'll just, just a bouquet yeah her. like I'll make you breakfast but have a chocolate muffin while you're waiting like whatever just you do that and I'll make you something really healthy by the time she gets to after the muffin she's like I don't want that that's crap I want more chocolate yeah. so we've we've gotten into a really bad habit and when I pick her up from daycare here have an ice cream here have this sugar 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 it doesn't help because that's what I'm like I love sugar so I really need to rewire reset the whole family system and get us back on track to wanting to eat nicer healthier more filling things so I'm hoping you've got some tips I hope so too and look both of your experiences are so very common and normal and I think as parents sometimes we take the easy way out I'm guilty of it and then we kind of go you know what I need to shift this and that's totally okay to draw a line in the sand and go, all right, let's let's figure it out. And just like our little ones need like small little steps, us grown-ups do too. Mm. So maybe it would be a good idea if listen to this and then pick one or two things to try and then once you've got those in place, come back and listen again. What a great idea. Because that's about the capacity listen, I'm at anyway. It's so. on a different device and it will class as another listen for us as well. <laughs> <laughs> on a different day and a different device. <laughs> Win-win for everyone. Yeah. Log into with someone else's. Oh, even better. Do a review. Keep on going. (laughs) Now, is is it ever kind of too late? Like, is it ever, oh, well, she's four now and I've let her get away with this. There's no way she'll ever eat broccoli? Yeah, absolutely not. No, it's never, ever too late to be curious about food. I mean, you'll even speak to some adults that will say, you know, I didn't even eat veggies until I was 18 years old. Mm. 
when I think about my food preferences, because we all have a sensory system and we, some of us are quite sensitive to some input and some of us are, need more input. So when we think about, you know, taste and smell and the way things feel, some of us will be like, oh, I need more. Um, Sophie, I think you'll probably be a sensory seeker. You would really like big flavours. You don't mind your oysters. Uh, she loves big meals. Yeah, curries. <laughs> Whereas She's a big girl. I'm so hungry right now. I don't know how we're going to get through an hour of She's this. hungover and hungry. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Whereas some of us are a little bit like, hey, the, the smell of fish is a lot for me. Like if I have fish, I wouldn't mind it with like something like a, a preferred food. <laughs> so Give me like a sourdough to kind of soak up the juices and it's an easier sell for me and our little ones are the same. So, yeah, sensory preferences really come into it and we, I think that when we're mindful and when we honour that about our children, we can kind of feel that out more and accept that perhaps a food might be a little bit more challenging for them and they just need a little more time to get used to that new taste and so on. And what about when people or parents, you know, I guess I don't like avocado and I don't like a few things. Everyone's going to be like, what, you don't like avocado? (laughs) Well, there we go. But I'm trying not to judge you. Yeah, don't. But because I don't like it, it's hard for me to actually then buy it and hand it to my children because I'm like, well, it's bland and I don't like it, so how could you possibly like it? I don't know where I was going with this because then (laughs) I was about to jump to smoothies and how good smoothies are because my daughter, my middle child, won't have any vegetable, but if I blend a whole smoothie full of stuff, then she eats it. But is that the wrong thing to do because aren't we supposed to try and encourage them to eat like the actual food? Well, I think that as long as we're not lying to them about what's in it. So if she said to you, mum, did you put veggies in there? And you're saying, no, you're breaking down that trust that (laughs) she has around food. And sometimes what we see is with kids, if we hide something in their food and they see it, they then go, you've changed this. I'm not eating this anymore. So, Mm. you know, if you had just a general beef dish, you've decided, hey, I'm going rogue and I'm going to put some carrot in it. And they say, they find it and they say, what is this? And you say, oh, nothing. It's exactly the same. They're not going to trust you or that food. So whenever you put something else on the table, they're going to say, hmm, what she put in it this time? Like this is making mm. me really anxious. And then that whole pla- that plays into the whole, if we've got anxiety at the table, we know that anxiety reduces hunger. So if they're anxious at the table, if they're worried about something that's in there, then they're not going to really be as hungry as we hope they are. Now let's start from the start. Is there anything we can do when we're first introducing foods or when our little ones are still babies to kind of decrease the chance of them being fussy later on? Yeah. So I think the word fussy is a term that we all kind of throw around, but I do really kind of like when we change the language and we talk about like a cautious eater. So all little ones are going to be cautious at some point because we're providing new things all the time. But we know that around the 14, 16 month mark, they've come into that phase where they're like, hey, I'm a big person now. I've got ideas. I'm taking over. Thanks for hmm. help. <laughs> That's the hardest age. I go on and on about it all the time. But gosh, when they all of a sudden realize they have an effect they on have a choice. things. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So around this 14, 16, age, we've also got this evolutionary advantage. So when we, you know, lived in tribes and, you know, we were kind of outdoors more, when they were more mobile, uh, what happened was is the body was more protective and it made children become more cautious about food so they wouldn't eat poisonous things or they potentially wouldn't put things in their mouth that they may choke on or that kind of thing so from an evolutionary perspective we in this period all children wow most children will become cautious around food because Hmm. it's built into our genetics so we've got them hey i'm a new person I've, yeah, I've got ideas here too now. We've got the evolutionary advantage at play, but also around that 18 months, they're not growing at such a rapid rate and their hunger is decreasing. So we're kind of going, oh, goodness, 
why are they not eating as much? So we start to freak out. And I think generally as parents, that's when we kind of do our shorthand cooking. So we're like, oh, well, if you're not going to eat that, that's okay. I'll just get you your favorite food and we'll pop that on the table and you can just have that. And then they kind of learn that, oh, well, if I don't really want this new thing, mum will kind of give me what I want anyway. So from the very beginning, if we can kind of put a put structure in place that's I guess, responsive to them, but it also is that you are bigger, wiser, kinder. And when we talk about bigger, we mean like emotionally kind of bigger or emotionally stronger. So you're putting some structure in place. So you're saying, this is what's on the menu tonight. This is what I've cooked. But you always put a safe food or a preferred food. We're kind of moving away from calling it safe food because sometimes if our little ones hear that, they're like, oh, you know, does that mean the other ones are dangerous? Yeah. So we've kind, of, we've kind of moved to calling it like favoured or preferred foods. So that might just mean like a stack of buttered bread on the yeah. table when you serve the food or it might mean like just your plain pasta, your plain rice, and that's on the table. So they can get to the table and go, phew, there's something here I can eat. It's okay. I'll be able to fill my tummy up. I'm not going to have to walk away from the table without having something in my belly. So that decreases the anxiety as well. Well, That's a great idea. And then do you just encourage them to at least try the new food? So pressure is really, it's so individual. So some little kids will feel pressure from us going, oh, great eating. They'll think, oh, you know, just leave me alone. I don't want Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then some kids will feel pressured by you saying let's interact with it, like put some on your plate. So you really have to try and look at your child's communication, like really try and investigate and see like what can you tell by their body that's telling you this is too much for them or perhaps this is okay. Could you take, take it up a step or do you need to take it back a step? So sometimes buffet-style meals work really well for kids so they can kind of, you know, serve themselves. But for other children, that's a little bit that, that actually yeah. anxious and they do prefer you just to put some stuff on their plate. Generally, the smaller the portion of whatever's new or something that they haven't liked yet is the best way to go. So make it, so make it a small little portion so it's not super mm. And so with the preferred food, let's say we're serving them up some meat and some vegetables and in the past they haven't really gravitated towards the meat and the vegetable but we know they like bread and butter. Do you give them like a finite amount of their preferred food? Because like, you know, because I'm thinking of Poppy, for example, she'd just eat the bread and then say, I want more bread. So what what do you do in that situation? Uh, Well, you do give them their preferred food till they're full if there's enough of it. So sometimes you just won't. You only have to. You cannot have another loaf of bread. <laughs> You've had three shop. today. <laughs> I'm not going to duck down the shops just to put some more bread on the table because they said more. But what I really would love parents to think about in this situation is your little ones are tolerating being at the table and having a really wonderful family meal. So that's super protective for so many reasons. There's been studies that show that it that it feeds in with intelligence and relationship. There's, there's even some studies that show that it that it reduces their tendency to do risky behavior as a teenager. So if you can wow. get yeah. I might do breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this rate. <laughs> There'll be little saints. Yeah. <laughs> so they're at the table, they're with their family, they're looking at the food. So they're tolerating the food in front. They can smell the food. They're tolerating the smell of the food. And if this is all new, they're all new experiences for them. So they're already processing all these new, all this new sensory information that will get them closer to eating that food. So if they've got it on their plate, really next time what we hope to do is perhaps we could start getting them to interact with the food. So sometimes some children will allow you to be playful. So, for example, Sometimes when we have meatballs, we sing the, you know, the on top of spaghetti, you know that song? No, but no, please I don't. Keep, keep going. going. Oh. Keep going so that we know. No, I'm kidding. Of course we know the song. Um, so, and we literally pick up the meatballs and roll them off the table. Oh. Well, that sounds messy. <laughs> and then Jade's just broken out in hives. Yeah, I've just had a panic attack. Jeez. We splash them out down, Jay. Okay. And we roll them off the table. And then all of a sudden we've got our kids touching the food. 
but they're just playing with it. But that's one step closer to getting it to their mouths. If you if your little ones will tolerate this, but you have you have to really watch for their communication. So you're singing a song, the, the meatballs are rolling off the table, they're picking it up, they bring it back to the table and doing it again. You've taken the pressure off. You're trying so hard not to let them know <laughs> that you're doing this to try and get them to eat it, right? You're trying your best to just say, I, you know, it's great if you interact with it. Anything's a bonus. All of a sudden, you might find that they'll have a little lick or they'll have a little taste. So we find that when we, fun. Yeah, when we put fun in there, because kids learn through play. So developmentally, mm. that's where they're at. And as soon as we take the pressure off, so instead of, oh, just try it, you like this, you know, yesterday, oh, just try it, you know, you haven't even tasted it yet, you don't know if you like it or not, you can try and be a little bit more, a little bit playful with it. I will admit that that doesn't work on my table whenever I put something in front of Billy. She yep. sits there and then all of a sudden she hunches over yep. and puts her, slouches her face down and she's like, Mum, what is this? I don't like this. And I'm like, you haven't even tried it. Exactly what you said. And she's like, but I just know that I don't like it. And I'm like, but you won't know. And she's like, I just know. So I think that if we have a different strategy in place and definitely I want her to eat because she's actually my smallest child. So having a favourite meal or a favourite ingredient on the table for her to be able to feel comfortable with is a brilliant idea. I love that. And you find that they're more willing to explore other foods when they've got that favoured food on the table. I'm, I'm not sure if I could possibly do the meatball one because Yumi <laughs> the other night picked up lemons off the table and pegged them at everyone's head. So well, that was another question. <laughs> How can we stop our children from throwing, and I think it was around that kind of 14 to 18-month age where they just start piffing everything everywhere. But now you're bloody rolling meatballs on the floor, so yep. I'm lost. <laughs> yep, yep. And I think, okay, Menas are important. Yep, definitely, absolutely. But let's do the other stuff first. Mm, Once we get them comfortable at the table, once we get them feeling like, hey, I could maybe try this, let's do menas after after that. Yeah. If I could circle back to what you said about, was it, is it you? Billy. Yeah. She she says, I don't like this. I think sometimes if we can bring in that, I understand, like there's something about Mm. this that makes you feel really uncomfortable. I get that. Do you know what it is? Because some kids will have the language too, depending on their age. They might go, oh, it looks really wet or, you know. Yeah, it's texture for her. She is very tactile with clothing, with food. So if it's a soup, she actually just wants the broth, nothing inside it. And if it's a, uh, she doesn't like lasagna because of the texture of the lasagna, but she would eat spaghetti. So, yep. yeah, I, um, it's taken me seven years almost to work out how the hell and what she likes, but yep. we're still in that process. Yeah, so she's the kind of little one that would you'd benefit from deconstructing things. So if you had a 100%. salad, you chop up the bits and you don't mix them together. So her favourite meal is a Mexican night because she can get her own wrap, she can put her own cheese and her own avocado and she's happy as Larry. That's her favourite thing to do. So she loves buffet style meals. Yes. Yeah. Loves buffet style. Yeah. Yeah. She has she has that control and everything is kind of Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've found helps Poppy when she says she doesn't like an ingredient in something or an aspect of her plate is I give her another plate to put next to her plate and I say, okay, if there's anything you don't want pop it onto that plate rather than like trying to put it on our plate or Mm. whatever. And I have caught her a few times, like if she's sitting there long enough, she will just start like picking things up off the plate that she's put things that she doesn't like on there. I think it might be that she's kind of been looking at it long enough that she becomes comfortable with it. And she's had the choice. And it's it's her control. Yeah. 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 No, that's a beautiful strategy, Sophie. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I agree. She's kind of gone, whoop, this is too much for me. I can put it in the no thank you bowl or the I'm not ready yet bowl. So it could be that I don't like this yet. So kind of trying to use that growth mindset so they don't feel like they're stuck in thinking the one thing and that that's not going to shift. So you can put it in the, I'm not sure about this yet, Bob. She's got it off a plate. She gets to have some of her favoured foods. And mm-hmm. then she's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay now. I could probably experiment a little bit with that one. So for a week, are you trying to incorporate, like, let's say carrot? Are we doing a carrot in every single dinner to get them really aware of that 
vegetable or like because I feel like it'd be confusing just having seven different meals and then going oh we'll just try that one and try that one how do you do it so I think well it all depends on your family meals so what we're what the goal is and the, the reason why we you know we introduce solids and we transition you know to that 12 month mark where we you know we're weaning off breast or bottle is because we're trying to get to that family meal time mm. so it really depends on what what you're serving so you can come up with a meal plan with your children where you know you decide a couple of nights and they decide a couple of nights as well so a wonderful foundation for all families is and I'm sure you would have heard about it because it's just brilliant but it's Ellen Satter's the division of responsibility so you provide and they decide so I haven't heard about this yeah so you decide what's being served but you also offer their favorite food you decide when it's being served so ideally you want to be giving food every two to three hours depending on age so that gives your little one enough hunger to come to the table with enough curiosity to give something a go it also helps them develop those internal cues of hunger and fullness so that's super protective between obesity and eating disorders and from the beginning we really want them to learn to be regulating that so you decide what's being served, you decide when it's being served, you decide where it's being served. So ideally it's at the family table. We've got their supportive seating so they're nice and comfortable and they decide what they eat and how much they eat and if they eat anything at all. Right, yeah, because that's not our responsibility how much they eat. Mm. No. So we need to we need to be giving them the opportunity to feel how their body feels we need to let them develop trust with us and with food and the only way we can do that is by being responsive and so after dinner Mm -hmm. if they're hungry and they didn't really eat their dinner Mm -hmm. do you force them to eat the dinner they didn't eat (laughs) or (laughs) do you offer them one of their preferred meals so you've got your preferred food on the table So hopefully if let's just say you're having a curry but you've separated the rice and the sauce and the naan and maybe you've done like a cucumber yogurt dip. So you've got them all separate. You know that they will eat the rice. 90 to 100% of the time they don't mind the rice. So you know that you've got something on the table that they feel safe with. There will be some times where they will go, no, I'm not eating anything. So you can decide then as a parent if you want to offer like a supper or or a snack. So generally we say to do this if you've kind of got like two hours between the dinner and bed, Hmm. but you are the parent and if you feel like you want to offer that supper, then you do it. We want to give them something that's going to fill them up, but we don't want it to be something that they're going to hold out for. So if they go, I'm not going to have dinner because later when supper, I'm going to have like a cupcake and like it's going to be like a midnight party. It's going to be great. Yeah. So we want to kind of maybe give some yogurt, maybe some nuts, you know, maybe some like carrot sticks or some cucumber sticks if they want to do that or even like just like a rice cake or just depending mm. on what they, I guess. What Something that's a preferred food but they're not going to get super excited about, like it's not going to be the most amazing thing they've eaten in the day. Yes. So they're all, they're all options. But If you implement this at home, it will take a week for them to kind of jump on board and understand this ritual, this new routine where you're not going to just give them a different meal or you're not going to then let them come back to the table 10 minutes after dinner. And we're we're really responsive about this and we're really empathetic and we say, look, I'm really sorry that you're still hungry but we served dinner but we're going to have a snack in two hours or we'll have a little bit of supper later. But when it's dinner time, we come to the table and we fill up our bellies as much as our bellies tell us and then we're done. Yeah. It sounds so simple. The way that you say it as well, it's like, oh, gosh, yeah. Of course. the breeze. I'm trying that tonight. <laughs> what age do you think is, you know, uh, the, the minimum that they would understand that type of thing? Yeah. So we're really trying to do this from really around kind of the 12-month age where we're really doing the meal times. We've, we've mm. got our three meals established. We've got our, you know, our snacks coming into play. If they leave the table, we can just say, oh, we're, you know, we're finished now. Food soon, snack time soon. So we can simplify our language based on their development. 
they're, they're very clever. <laughs> they will catch on soon and you can say snack time soon and then what we try and redirect them. So let's go read a book, let's go have a bath to try and get them, I guess, get them away from and us in this cycle of asking for more food. And so snacks too, we're trying to bring them back to the table for that? Yes. So the, the best thing that you can do is not think about snacks as snacks but as mini meals. So right. you want to try to be offering new foods that you want them to be explore at snack time as well. So if you can, like open the packet of messy monkeys, tip them on a bowl <laughs> and just pop up some pieces of carrot and something that they haven't really tried before on there or, you know, mm. to do with your child. So then you're giving them another opportunity to learn about a food mm. tolerated in front of them. And yeah, they're able then to to give that a go if they can, but you're kind of letting them, um, you're giving them opportunity to not just get nutrients from their breakfast, lunch or dinner, but from their mini meals too. Because for most families, dinner is a write-off. Everybody's tired. It's been a huge day. Like Seriously, it's, it's a shit fight. Oh. Especially at my house. We're like, whatever. Yep, yep. The, the amount of energy it takes me <laughs> to remember Practice what you preach, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, do you have any tips for keeping them at the table? Yeah. And not just wandering off with their food or trying to get out of the high chair or. Yeah. So it's super tricky because at this age, really, we only expect them to be able to pay attention for two minutes per their year of life. Oh, gosh, is that all? Yes. So, oh, wow. sorry, kids. My expectation of you was a little Lower bit Lower your high. expectations, Sophie. <laughs> so the best thing that you can probably do is make sure that dinner's ready to go before you put them in the seat. Uh, yeah. So they're not kind of sitting around waiting for it before you even get it to the table. So that that's one good tip. The other thing is, is just is try to make the dinner not just about the food, but about having a conversation. So you can say, I mean, the, the easiest ones to pull on are, let's go around the table and talk about our favourite animals. Let's go around the table and talk mm. about um, what happened today at school. Or, you know, can you tell me Christmas is coming up soon? What do you want for Christmas? Won't that be exciting? So trying to engage them in conversation. For our littler ones, we're probably singing a little song. We're making it just really nice and upbeat and inviting. You know, their language skills aren't at the point where they're probably really understanding a huge amount of what we're saying. But and I know this can be so difficult to conjure the energy at the end of the day to, <laughs> to sing a song. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one sitting here like, oh, but that's a lot of effort. <laughs> Maybe breakfast. Yeah, but I promise you. If you do it, you'll feel yourself relax mm. and then you'll feel them relax and you'll think that was worth it. And there's probably less likely to be food everywhere because they've actually sat there, they've actually eaten a bit more of what you've slaved over making. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess the biggest thing is try and take the pressure away from meal time, and also just know that meal times can be difficult and that's okay. But if you're feeling like things are really stressful for you and your little one, reaching out to a feeding therapist is a really good idea. If you're finding that they're gagging or they're vomiting or they're choking or they've completely eliminated a certain food group or a certain texture, it's always a good idea to, to kind of reach out if you're just feeling stuck. And if you're feeling like mealtimes is just an absolute chore for everyone because we really want them to love food and to learn how to regulate their hunger and their fullness cues because that's what makes a healthy individual. And it is a long-term game. So if they like a healthy food but they want the same thing on repeat, should you stick to that? Or do what you're saying, then add another extra new thing to incorporate? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on it. You're on it. Say no I'm more. All over it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be so easy at five o'clock. Oh my tonight. god, it's just going to be. A I can't breeze. wait. I'm going to film it. Everyone's going to sit there. They're going to eat all their food groups. It's just going to be manners. Oh, I'm not promising that, but if you can, <laughs> if you can get the goal of, you know, the division of responsibility, if you can take the bribing and the pressure off, if you can make sure that they've only eaten every two to three hours in between meals. Yeah. And you're setting them up for success and you're setting yourself up for success. When you sit down at the table, don't worry about what they're eating. Just enjoy your meal. And I know that's that. That really takes the stress off. I love that. Mm. Yeah. And they, they will eventually 
with those things in place, they will eventually go, you know what, I'm at this point in time where everything's working well to give something a go. But also if they don't, then that would be time to reach out. And so talking about spacing out these meals, because I mean, I think especially with how many people have been in lockdown recently and that kind of thing, you can get to the end of the day and you're like, I was just a snack bitch all day. Like it was incessant. And then when it comes to actual meal time, no one's eating anything. Does it, would it work to get like a, I don't know, like an obvious digital clock and be like oh when that number is this that's when we're like does that work for kids like because I'm just thinking like I just don't know how I would explain to Poppy like oh in two hours we can eat again like yeah she thinks it's her birthday tomorrow and it's in February do you know what I mean like they have it's so hard to explain the concept of time yes Yep, absolutely. So what you can do is you could set a timer. So you could do that on the iPad, but if you're not keen on bringing the iPad in, you can get, you know, the kitchen timers that you can get. Mm -hmm. You can generally turn them up or you can say, I'm going to set a timer on my phone and when it starts bipping, it's it's time to eat. But what you're going to have to do is when they're going to come back to you, their bodies will adapt and they will slowly get into Mm. the routine and their body will start to feel the two to three hours. But when you're first trying to put it in place, you'll say, it's not snack time yet, darling. Let's go play such and such. So you will kind of have to redirect them. But for Mm -hmm. the older ones that can kind of understand a little bit about time, you can bring in, you know, look at the timer. You know, it's getting closer, but not quite yet. Get the hell out of the kitchen. Yep, great checking, but yeah, but we'll great checking. I love that. <laughs> You're really committed. What I love a- your commitment. I this means a lot to you. <laughs> so if we go into these little mini snack times, do you have any nice healthy suggestions that you would offer, like say at school pickup or daycare pickup? What would you hand your child? to get them to dinner time without filling them up too much. Yeah. So this is where most of the wheels fall off the car. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So. Because everyone's famished. Yes, absolutely. And feral. I actually think it's a genius idea to, like if you can, to feed your children at four o'clock your dinner. But I just, I'm not ready and I'm not there yet, so I can't. Yep. So continue. So we don't want to give them enough that it'll take the edge off their appetite when they come to dinner. But also you might be able to perhaps when you're getting dinner ready, you can almost, you could get your little, you know, your little muffin trays and you could put a little bit of things in there that you would be happy for them to fill up on. You won't let them fill up on it, but you would be okay with if they eat that, I'm okay that they don't eat much dinner. Okay, mm. so you, you're putting the veggies that you're cutting up in. You might put in a couple of like mini rice cakes or, you know, whatever you, you know, is an easy sell from that lovely beige diet that they all love. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe. Anything I'd eat while I was pregnant is basically what um, <laughs> they would like yeah, to eat. Absolutely. Yeah. Or hungover, pregnant or hungover diet. Yeah, so all your nuts, you could pop some nuts in there, you could do some fruit, you could do some dried fruit, so things that you feel like it would be okay for them, you'd be okay with them eating. But That's quite fun in the muffin tray too. I feel like yeah. they would find that quite novel. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're actually saying put it in the muffin tray, not actually make muffins. <laughs> wow. Use it like a little tasting plate. Yeah. She's like, while you're cooking dinner, also whip up some muffins <laughs> that have got dried fruit veggies, rice cakes. Tastes a bit gross, but whatever. <laughs> Everything from the pantry into a muffin. Oh. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, we, we, we want to try our best though. If we can be that stronger, wiser kind of I understand how hung you are right now, but dinner is so soon. Can you help me wash the veggies? If you can get them involved in Mm. the food, they're more likely to eat it as well. So can you help me wash this? Can you help me cut that? Perhaps you've got like one of the little kitty knives and they can have a go at that. Or, you know, maybe you've got some parts of the food you can sacrifice and you're like, hey, do you want to just, can you just like, 
bang that down into like a little soup for me. So you're all <laughs> you're inventing things for them for them to do, but they're interacting and they think they're being helpful. Yeah. So anything that you can kind of do. And I know it's so tricky when you're in the moment and you're like, oh my God, I've got to get this food on the table. Everyone's yeah. driving me mad. I've had a big day. You're spiraling into that dinner, bath, bed routine oh, and you just yeah. the, the lights at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. If you can, put some music on. Try and Yeah, that helps. Yep. Yep. Everyone starts to calm down when we turn the TV off and put music on. Yes. Yep. If you, like, you know, get simple. Like if you think I really need to be reminded of these things when I'm cooking dinner and I'm in that moment and, like, I'm anxious, pop them on the fridge. Like write them down. Put music on. Snack tray, you know, cupcake tray, question mark. Get them involved, question mark. And it, it like it's unbelievable how helpful that can yeah. be kind of stuck in that in that pressure of dinner time. Someone actually sent in a mum hack during the week and it was whenever she was trying to prepare dinner, she always gives her child the garlic to peel because it takes absolutely forever. <laughs> but it's like f- fun for them because it kind of like crumbles and, yeah. you know, is quite a cool texture. But she's like, Not yeah, an but- onion? <laughs> Well, I guess an onion would work too. But, you know, she's just like, oh, she thinks she's being so helpful and it takes her so long. Yep. And, but, and But she's not really making a mess. Like it's not yeah. going everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. I thought that yep. was great. That's an awesome tip. We had quite a few people sending in that, you know, their children eat really well when they're distracted and watching TV. Yeah. Thoughts? Okay. So they do because they're not processing all the sensory properties of the food. So they're not really tasting, they're not really smelling, they're not really looking. They're almost on autopilot. Mm. And the other thing is, is they're not able to feel when they're full as well. So with having an iPad or the TV in front, they will eat because they're distracted. It's Yeah, it's almost like they're autopilot eating. Now, for some little ones that I work with, this is how it has to happen. That's how eating has to happen and that's okay. But if we can take small, tiny steps away from this, trying to remember that the goal is for them to enjoy food, like the long-term goal, the long-term goal is for them to love family meals and be social within family meals, then we might just try having the TV on with no sound. Or we might have try having the TV on with the sound turned down a little bit and then like slowly kind of bring mm. them closer to the dinner table. Perhaps you're bringing their chair, their, you know, their dining chairs or their high chairs into the lounge room and you're changing that tiny little aspect first. And then you're in the lounge room but the TV's not on and mm-hmm. the chairs and then you're slowly moving it out, mm. you know, time. So small steps. I mean, we all know that sensation where you have been on autopilot and you get to the end of a meal and you're like, I don't remember inhaling what that this. tasted like, what texture that was. That was an absolute waste. Like, I do not remember what just happened. I've actually been told by my psychologist how important, especially around meal time, it is to be present with the texture and eating and and just being mindful of yep. being in that moment because it actually acts as a calming and stress-free mechanism and it, and it brings you back down from mm. where you have been in terms of, you know, in the kitchen and getting all stressed, but sitting there and just yep. taking in those moments can change your mentality. I love that, Jade, because mm. bringing in the psychology behind things. So you're practising mindfulness with, yeah. with your food and slowing down and processing it and probably enjoying it a lot more than what you would. And I guess we kind of got to gift our kids that as well to try and help them slow down because they can't do it themselves. They're not going to choose to turn the, turn the, the telly off. <laughs> I have another question for you. How- hey, Mum, I think that we should have a conversation. <laughs> I'm going to put my dishes in the sink. How much food is too much food when it comes to feeding your child? Is there a limit? Well, what we have to do is it all comes back to trust. We have to trust them that when they are full, they will stop. There's going to be times where they're going to overeat, but they're going to feel that and they're going to know, hey, that didn't feel very good with my body. I'm not going to do that again. But we need to give them the opportunity to feel that. 
And they will do that from time to time and then they'll feel it and then they'll go back to not eating as much. So the whole framework about responsive eating is that we let them eat until they're full. Same thing as the bread, though. We might not have enough bread for them until they're full. You know, it depends on circumstances. But if they're at the table and they, you've got the serves there and they want another serve, another serve, another serve, you, you let them keep going. You can prompt them to check in with their body, but make sure you're checking in with them when they're hungry as well. So it doesn't seem like you're only jumping on them when they're getting fuller because they kind of go, well, why is mom picking me up on this when I eat more? So it almost makes them think, oh, is there something I should be worried about about mm. more? So, you know, you might say before you get to the dinner table at dinner time, oh, my tummy is so empty. It feels like it's grumbling, like when his mm. tummy grumbles when he wants honey. Like it sounds like it's talking to me. And then you sit down and you eat and you model for them like, oh, you know what, I think I'm all full now. Oh, maybe mm. just one more like, yep, yep, I'm good now. So you're modelling that for them. So you do give them the opportunity to feel full. Is it okay to ask, like my my bigger girls always ask me, mum, I'm full now, I've finished, and show they show me the bowl and I'm like, Mm-mm, four more bites, and I'll usually say, nah, two more bites, and they will keep going. Yeah. Is that a positive thing or is it just me wanting them to just finish the bowl because I made them a beautiful meal and they should be appreciative? <laughs> Well, it's, it's what happened with us when we were little, right? Like, yeah, bites, more bites. But what we do do when we do that, with absolutely no ju- judgment, we're overriding their internal hunger cues. Mm. So their body's saying to them, I've had enough now. And you're saying, no, more, 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 more. So they're going, I must not be able to trust my body when I'm full. Mum must know more. No better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what if we're serving a dessert after a meal? What are we, in the 80s? I don't know, like say even like yogurt and berries or something. Yeah. And so like we let them have that regardless of how much dinner Mm. they've eaten because like from them getting the gist that it's probably not positive to say, well, no, you have to eat this certain Mm. amount before you're allowed dessert. How do you model that without them just going, well, no, I'm not eating, I'm just going to eat the dessert? Well, what we do then, if we if we say you're not having that to eat the dessert, we put the dessert on a pedestal. So mm. we're almost telling them, I understand you don't want to eat that because that's yuck, but you can't have the yum thing. So we're, we're not teaching them to enjoy what's, what is in, in front mm. of them kind of putting it on the pedestal and then usually what we serve for dessert is like sugary and I am all about no moral value around food every food has its place food is not just nutrition like you know don't eat just to fuel our bodies we eat for comfort we eat for all different reasons so what we want to teach them is that all food is equal so then all of a sudden they don't have like this sugar obsession or and we're not mm. withholding, you know, withholding things like that. So that when we're not around, they've learnt to balance their own cravings for food. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess Poppy already like like I, f- I feel like we've called sugary things treats or like sometimes foods but that's not really making it equal so like what if she had say a donut yesterday and then today she's like I want a donut today like how do you go about that conversation without calling it a treat or an occasional food or making putting it on that pedestal yeah so well what you do you have the donut Sophie do you have another donut oh we don't have a donut today pop sorry oh okay expert (laughs) but we do have a broccoli head (laughs) But maybe we could get one on Wednesday. So you know, I can freak out going, oh, God, there's no donut ever again. Yeah. (laughs) If someone said to me, no chocolate ever again, things could end badly. It's messy. That's a messy situation. (laughs) It's it's so simple, isn't it? But when you're in it, you just freaking want them to eat so badly that all common sense goes out the window. Yes, you just got to think long game, long game, long game. I think my thing is I need to hide all my treats just because if Yumi sees any treat, there is a breakdown until she gets that treat. Okay, so what you could possibly do if you felt comfortable with it is completely take that off the pedestal. You could just serve that with 
every meal. What? Yes, I've heard of this before that like they'll serve a meal and literally like next to the meal there's just a few lollies. Yeah. Or like a piece of chocolate. Are you kidding me? And then they're just like, oh, it's just mum said I can have that as part of dinner. Actually, this might be like the TV thing. We have the TV on and we don't make a big deal out of it and our children really aren't fussed with the TV at all because they're just, it's we don't make it a big thing. So, I mean, I know kids are different. Some people are glued to it, but they rarely like beg for the TV to be on because we don't make a deal yep. out of yep. it. Yeah, because you're not restricting it. Yeah. It's this human oh, wow. to want it to want things that are restricted yeah 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 so yes you could do that you wouldn't have to do it for a long period of time and you would have to do it with I'm putting popcorn on the on the (laughs) table tonight well I did that the other day Poppy was asking for like messy monkeys snacks and I just put a few on both their plates with dinner and they and I was just like uh, in my head I was like oh if I do that they'll just eat them and they won't eat the other stuff but they didn't they had like four of them and then they were just like okay cool yeah I'll just eat dinner now and it's genius it's even funny because when you sit back sometimes you'll think they'll definitely go for that and eat that first but often they won't. They'll eat the other stuff first and then eat that last. I would love to actually try and do this and just see my children's reaction. Yeah. Like it would be, imagine if I just pop their dinner on the table with a side of like a chocolate or a, a chocolate muffin and they'd be like, is this a trick? Yeah, but you're just saying like, look, we're not holding out for this food. Here it is. Yep. All this food is special in its own way. Listen to your tummy. That food's probably not going to just fill you up. You're probably going to need some of the other food too, which they will figure out. Yeah, see what happens. So I think for you what you need to do is, yeah, take that food off the pedestal. It also it takes the pressure off me as well. Absolutely. Yep, yep. And, I mean, if that's what they're going to eat anyway, what's the difference from you serving it later to serving yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. Look at us. I'm like, I've never been so excited to get the girls from daycare. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's pushing it. You've Look, got a hangover. No, just... The conversation's been good, but not that good. Let's not push it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that. I reckon we got lots of info out there. What does everyone else think? Do you think that we've missed anything or any other words of absolute wisdom you'd like to leave us with? I mean, I guess it's an area, I think it's important for everyone, but I think being two mums of five girls between us, obviously we're both pretty keen on modelling positive Mm. food relationships. Like is there anything else that you think is important to kind of avoid saying around them at meal times? I guess what we want to do is make it a positive experience. So they want to keep coming back, like Mm. neutral to positive. So they want to keep coming back, you know, it feels good to sit down with my family and have dinner because most of the time it's the only time we sit down as a whole family throughout the whole day. So as I said before, it's about connecting. It's it's more than it's more than just the meal. So really think about when you sit down to a meal, don't put the pressure on yourself for it to be only about them eating their food. Think about the other things that they get from that meal time that's supportive for them and their development. Just being in the same space and connecting is super powerful. And within a safe relationship where we trust our little ones and they trust us, they will begin to trust food. And so if you have a partner, for example, or you don't get home from work until after the kids have eaten dinner, should it be that whoever's there, you know, even if they want to wait to have dinner once their partner gets home, so you can still just sit down with them and what, do you just eat like a little bit to kind of model what you should do or yep yep. so a family meal really only needs one loving adult that's that's going to be present with them so yes if you can even when your baby just starts solids try and eat with them so you're bringing in that Mm. aspect don't just get to 12 months and go oh what did jamie say we've got to try and do that now think of the six to 12 month mark as a like a practice to get into that routine of the family meal so when you sit down and you're feeding them and you're doing either spoon feeding or baby led weaning you sit down and eat with them too see if you can get the siblings there too. do it at the table as much as you can I mean you know picnics are so much fun and you know they're novel do those sometimes absolutely like there's never a hard and fast rule so never mm. think oh what she said I should be doing that 100 percent of the time no, like, you know, if you, if you know, just, just aim for 80%. You don't need to be aiming for perfect. 
to none of us. I think another another great idea as one of the mums that wrote in about her mum hack would be because my children sometimes ask to help out would be setting the table and that's their job and feeling important about dinner time because they're helping out. I mean, maybe not hand them the knives, you know, do a fork, (laughs) but at least they feel like they're they're helping in some way. I think even when Poppy picks what colour her plate is, it makes a massive difference to whether she'll eat or not. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But any way you can get them involved and kind of even it's getting their nervous system prepared for for, for dinner Mm. as well. So you're getting, they know it's coming because they've been asked to set the table. So they're getting ready for that. They've got almost got that warning so they can prep themselves. Mm. I always talk to parents and I'm like, can you imagine if you were just, you know, sitting down in the lounge and someone just plonked a plate in front of you with food on it and they were like, dinner time, you'd be like, well, man, like where'd that come from? Like it wasn't <laughs> quite ready, you know. We we know that it's coming, so we mm. kind of we need to kind of prep them. So, you know, five-minute warning before, you know, or five-minute call out, oh, dinner in five minutes. Yeah. If you put them in the kitchen, you can say, oh, wow, it's only going to be five minutes till this is ready. Washing hands before dinner, you can be a yep. little bit of a ritual. Let's all go and wash the hands so they know it's imminent. They know it's coming. You can put on a song and they know when the song's finished. It's up at the table. Justin Bieber. Yep. I found the a learning tower is one of the best things we've bought Yeah, we've as got well one of them too. To, to be able to help and it just stops that climbing on the table. Screaming at your ankles because like, even if they're not helping, they can see that you're telling the truth by saying like dinner is coming. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, they wouldn't be able to see anything that's going on. But whenever I unpack the shopping, my kids are so interested in like I fill the sink up. Uh, let's put a bit of bicarb soda in there to wash all the veggies and fruit. And they just love plonking the food into the sink. Yeah, that's and then, great. And then all of a sudden I've timed it around snack time oh, and all of a sudden. clever woman, you. Oh, they're eating carrots. <laughs> they're eating, won't eat capsicum when we're at the table when it's chopped up but we'll just munch on the whole thing when we're washing them for, for shopping. Probably because you said no once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. You have, yeah, I, I feel like talking about kids and eating can be really stressful, but I feel like this has been really calming and you've presented in such a like non-judgmental, just really, really helpful way. So I hope that our lovely listeners feel the same. And I'm taking my muffin tray and picking up my kids. So watch this space. So good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.